Welcome, welcome to today's show. For those of you that are watching this, you'll notice that I haven't shaved. I haven't shaved for a couple of days. That means my wife is visiting her mother and I haven't had to shave. And that's uh, to my advantage. However, you'll know tomorrow, probably, we're going to have the uh, clean-looking Lance back. So uh, let me know what you think. Go to freedomatlancewalnut.com. Tell me if I should do the Steve Bannon, you know, uh, Ernest Hemingway, old man in the sea look here with my, you know, uh, beard, my gray beard, or if I should shave it off. Should I do the beard or shave it off? I'm interested in your opinion on that so I could make that point to my wife. Now, the... Um, the thing that's coming up right now is January 29th, or 19th and 20th, 19th and 20th. By the way, the 20th is my son's birthday, my son Lance's birthday. I know that because that's inauguration day. So January 19th and 20th, I'm going to be at the Trump Doral in Florida. I want you to join me there because I'm going to be starting the year off really smart. I'm going to be looking with Christy Coat and Red Nichols on how to, how to get the discipline and the, 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 the habits of physical strength and vitality. I'm telling you, I'm praying every week for friends of mine that are keeling off here and there, and we're going to make it this year. It's a year we cannot stop because of a physical problem. We're going to be looking at stem cell therapy, the, the remarkable research and, and, uh, and, and practical developments that are taking place in that massive shift that's occurring in the, uh, in the science community. Dr. Jordan Rubin is going to be talking about how to renew your youth collagen being restored. I'm glad to know there's muscle, collagen, sinew, strength, elasticity. You can actually recover stuff. You don't have to just go old and wrinkled up. You can actually recover yourself. Uh, years that the canker worm has eaten can be brought back to you. Join me at the Wealth Summit. Go to lancewalla.com forward slash summit. lancewalla.com forward slash summit. I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm going to cut it off at like 200 people. It's just, a, I'm looking for an intimate, small, powerful group, and you're going to meet some very interesting people flying in from all over the place to be in that summit. Lance, wait a second. I need to say something before we go. The price is going to go up, Lance, after the new year. People, I've been holding off and holding off through Black Friday. We got the Christmas sale happening right now, but I want to let you know, don't miss it. If you're thinking about going, make this a Christmas gift. Bring your spouse. Get down there. It's Florida in January. It's where you want to be, Miami, Trump Doral, by the pool, Come down and visit with us. So get it before the price increases next month, next year, really. All right, go to lancewalnow.com for a summit. Don't miss out. Welcome, welcome back to the Lance Wallnow Show. This is the show that tells you what you want to hear um, and sometimes what you don't want to hear, but uh, that's my commitment. You know what's great about uh, my life, Mercedes, is I, I have a friend of mine who had an audience built on TBN, and he always had the pressure of having to keep the audience happy. So when he started to change his thinking, he could actually run the risk of losing his audience. But I never had to do that because I never had to go in front of someone else's audience. My audience has always been kind of like hanging out with me. Mercedes, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. I want to make sure everybody else, I'm not talking to a make-believe Mercedes. She's right over there. All right, so my guest today is a very important guest because he's also somebody that I would say is has not had to pander to uh, a, a crowd. He's built his own audience over years of pioneering an area that uh, probably, like nobody else, I would say Ed Silvoso was a leader in the transformational community, talking about how to take the ideas of the kingdom and unpack them in a secular world. So that's been like my obsession for like 20 years, which got me into doing what I'm doing now. But I want to bring on Ed Silvoso because Ed has just come back from Argentina 
And we've been covering in the news about the, the uh, surprise development that's happened with like this Trumpian character who is, who is I, mean, he's more, I mean, he's more entertaining than Trump. Trump's interesting compared to this guy. He's, he's, actually, he's actually got a flamethrower and all kinds of stuff he's doing. Uh, Ed Silvoso, would you please join us? Dr. Ed Silvoso is founder of uh, Harvest Evangelism and leader of a Transform Our World Network. You're all going to get a taste of Ed right now. Thanks for joining us today, Ed. And, and uh, when did you get back from Argentina, by the way? What a pleasure to be with you, Lance. I got back a week and a day ago, and we are having the time of our lives there, Lance. Well, you, you know, you, years ago, you, there was revival in Argentina. For those who don't know about this, there was a period of time when Argentina had a move of God that is very historic. And, uh, and, then, and then it got hit with, uh, I don't know, if they, did the move of God that came before happen when it was like double-digit inflation? And, and give me a little bit of history of Argentina, because it was great, and then it went down, and now it looks like it's coming back again. And, and I think people need to know the story. Well, the revival was extraordinary. It was triggered by a marketplace leader that came to Christ, began to do outside the four walls of the church, everything they told us not to do. And the church grew from less than 1% lands to estimated 22%. That's one in five Argentines born again. But unfortunately, Rather than taking the kingdom of God that the gates of Hades are, we took the people into the four walls, and that left the marketplace to the devil. And that created corruption and chaos and inflation. Like this year, it hit 200%. And even though people are going to heaven, heaven is not coming down to earth. But that is beginning to change land. President Malay uh, comes along, and yeah. and uh, is there any sense in which the evangelical community or the praying church has a role to, to play in what happened? Because I wasn't aware that there was any kind of a spiritual groundswell, but I'm looking at this political development and saying, I mean, surely there, there must be some kind of preparatory intercession going on. What what is there a role the church has had in this? Well, I want to say this very carefully, Lance, because like you, I'm a man committed to the church. I lead over 3,000 pastors. I believe that our commitment to the local church is pivotal. But like you and like many others, I want the church to get out of the four walls. So what happened in Argentina? The desperation of the inflation, crime, corruption, moved the church to pray like never before. And then our contribution was to teach people, you are the church every day, everywhere, whatever you are. And that caused thousands of homes, lands, to become expressions of the local church. People will take the presence of God into government buildings, into businesses, into education, and even though we didn't have a traditional church service, the kingdom of God manifested. And all of this was leading to the election that just happened. And it looked hopeless, lands because the candidate that wanted to continue what is going on was not a good candidate. And then Millet shows up. 
The guy never had the political party, was never a politician. Two years ago, very few people knew him, and now he's elected president. And I believe what happened, uh, Lance, we were able, by we I mean millions of us, to change the spiritual climate. And then God gave us a prophetic word. Every biblical example of nation transformation, God didn't use it number one. He always used it number two. Daniel, Joseph, Esther. God-fearing people that receive a revelation from God that they serve a king who is not a believer to save a nation. And we were able to help a significant segment of the church change the focus from coming to me to go to the marketplace and uproot corruption, eliminate poverty, bring honesty into the public arena. And I believe that God hijacked or kidnapped Millet two months before the election. One of our associates, a businessman, led him to Christ and led his girlfriend to Christ. And she was so honest, so hungry. Then she came in touch with some Jewish rabbis that began to preach to him Solomon, seeking wisdom, not power. The guy wins the election, closes his inaugural speech with the blessing upon the nation, that coming on the heels of a very progressive government that outlawed God to get the new elected president, bless the nation. Then she calls for an interface service on the Catholic cathedral, where one of our associates was one of the ministers, and they dedicate him and the nation to God. So I believe, Lance, what we see here is a repeat of what happened with Hazael and Jehu. Remember, people that were not members of the core group who took care of everything the Jezebel spirit brought. The game is still is on, but I am more helpful than ever. Well, you know, you make an interesting point. I hadn't thought of it, that God will raise up, like I said before, that God would raise up someone like Trump. Now, look at moving the embassy to Jerusalem. If it had been Huckabee or Carson or Ted Cruz, the whole house would have fallen down with Christian evangelicals getting their theology involved with international diplomacy. But nobody ever accused Trump of being a Christian. That was what was hilarious about it. He was just he, he was able to be pro-life and nobody thought it, it was a theological position. So in a sense, God does use these number one uh, wrecking balls to be able to clear the path if there's a number two in proximity. Yeah. And so yeah. uh, and so th it's and so this the attack in the United States right now. And I don't want to go off on this, but it's on my mind because I got a movie coming out from Carl Reiner and I'm in the trailer and then I'm getting hit by the Rolling Stone, the Atlantic Journal. And they're really hitting hard with Mike Johnson because he's a Christian. So they're trying to vilify Christians as Christian nationalists. And uh, I'm formulating a response to that. And part of it is that I think when they use the language, we should never just accept the language that they give us. Because yeah. I never self-described as a Christian nationalist, and I don't want them to be able to paint a target. Yeah. I'm, a, you know, I happen to be a populist nationalist. 
I don't have a particular affection for either party, although I see where the, I see the Republican Party is where I've got at least seven friends that are righteous enough to not bow the knee to bail. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I'm a nationalist who happens to be a Christian. And there are atheists that happen to be uh, nationalists as well. That nationalism versus globalism is where the discussion needs to go. But this man, this President Millet in, in Argentina, has captivated uh, uh, a role in South America that I didn't think could, could emerge. I thought the South was going communist. I really did. I looked at the way in which they moved in Guatemala and in Chile, and I'm, I'm saying, they're going down. But this gives me hope. It gives me hope that maybe there's, there's a point of misery where the population isn't drinking the, uh, the, the doctrine that the media is giving them. And like Peru, uh, with Soros, they're willing to push back. What, what, what's your assessment of what's happening? Well, this is what is happening. What Bill Day has done, he's applying biblical principles in secular lingo. And therefore, he doesn't get blocked at the reception desk. For instance, he moved the embassy, Argentine embassy, to Jerusalem. Why? Because we align with life and Judeo-Christian tradition, period. He opposes abortion on the basis of freedom, the freedom of a woman to do whatever she wants to do without the government telling her what she shouldn't be doing, and the freedom that that embryo has to become a full being. I mean, it's not biblical terminology, but it's biblical terms. Then he talks about the state as evil because it takes from people and doesn't give back to people. That's a Babylonian system. Now, add Millet to Bukele in El Salvador. I was just watching a clip by him. He's speaking ecclesia without using the word ecclesia. He's talking goodness, peace, and joy, which is the kingdom of God. I believe, Lance, that we, the church, have to lift up your eyes and see that there are Samaritan women who have a terrible reputation who are taking us into Samaritan towns and the people there will tell Jesus what no Jew ever told him. We have found the Savior of the world. I think, Lance, at the heart of this goes that this is not the church age for the kingdom to come. I want, I, I, and I want you to hold, hold that thought because we got. I get stuck with these breaks right now. Hold that thought. We're going to come right back. And I want, I want Ed Silvosa to explain what the difference is between the church age and the kingdom age, because for those of you that, are, that have a faith background, I think we're, he's a paradigm-changing thinker. I want you to hear his paradigm, because it could really be helpful in North America. We'll be right back. What happens if a natural disaster takes place? We have these weird tornadoes that hit in the Midwest and in Texas, but look at the hurricanes in Florida. People can literally have their uh, houses flooded or they're in a situation where they have no food or access to groceries. Everyone needs at least a four-week emergency food kit. And fortunately, My Patriot Supply has created a four-week emergency kit. And these products will last for 25 years. The interesting thing is they give you a 2,000 calorie per day 
uh, meal. And that's the key, delicious and 2,000 calories a day, because that's what you're gonna need to sustain yourself for four weeks in a crisis. We had the uh, a winter freeze here in Texas of all places, and we had a couple of days where we had no electricity. I'm telling you something, this makes a huge difference. Mushroom rice pilaf, fluffy rice and mushrooms, seasoned with red wine and herb. And then how about starting the day off? Maple Grove oatmeal, old-fashioned oats, maple flavoring with a pinch of brown sugar. This is what you want to do, four-week emergency food kit, and that's just for you. Think about your children, guaranteed. Somebody around you is going to need help. You're going to want to at least have the four-week emergency kit. Go to lancewalla.com forward slash patriot. Use that link and you're going to get a special discount on their special four-week emergency kit promotion. Welcome back to the Lance Wall Now Show. This is Firewall on Real America's Voice. We're talking to Dr. Ed Silvoso, uh, who has a world network that is advancing uh, the interests of influencing and shaping culture in a way that preserves the freedom of Christians uh, to function. And Ed, you were just discussing a paradigm difference between how to see the age we're in and the age that is emerging. Can, can you go ahead and, and pick that up again? Well, you know, when we go to seminary, you went to seminary, I went to seminary, we have doctorates, we appreciate that. We are taught that this is the church age for the kingdom age to come. And I believe that is a fallacy. Jesus began by saying, repent, the kingdom of God has come near you. And then he introduced the ecclesia, the church. So what is the kingdom of God? is righteousness, peace, and joy. So when the church, the organized church, makes right that which is wrong in the public arena, that allows people to have peace and joy, and that opens the door to the power of the Holy Spirit. So we pastors, we shouldn't dichotomize the church and the kingdom, but we have to align them. This is when we bring the kingdom of God to the marketplace. And when we do that, people come into the church, not so much the organized church, but the ecclesia in the marketplace. And Lance, that paradigm shift is causing people, because this is public, I cannot give you details, but bear with me. A nation where there is no democracy, a nation that is run by a party that is atheist, approaching some of our members who are providing food, jobs, housing, and health care to join the elite that runs that country. When other socials decline because we are believers and you are atheists, are you ready for this? The one making the decisions, I'm a Christian too. And there are many of us here. And we are bringing the kingdom of God into an area that is focused on providing housing and health care and a number of things, and they are failing. And so we are like Daniel, Joseph, Esther. We are receiving a divine download to fix a social political problem of an unbelieving king, so that that king will begin to talk 
about the God of Daniel. That is what the kingdom does. I love that paradigm. And for, for those of you that are um, hearing this conversation for the first time, what Ed is talking about is taking the traditional idea of church being the building you meet in once a week with a preacher and realizing the church is the body of Christ as it breaks up from that church going out into the community, which is why we go into the schools, which is why we go into the business community, which is why we do get involved with government. All these areas are actually legitimate territory for the kingdom to come. And if the kingdom doesn't come, you can't complain if the devil shows up. Yes, so, um, but you have a kind of a unique way, Ed, of seeing your enemies. Now, obviously we have enemies because Jesus said, love them. So you have enemies. I mean, they're not, they don't like you. In, in some cases, I like what Henry Cloud says. He says, you know, there's the wise, the foolish, and then there's the evil. And you have to understand there's different people. Some people are out to do you harm. They know they're doing you harm and they want to do you harm and they're not going to change. But there's foolish people that are sucked up with hating you that they shouldn't because you've misrepresented the kingdom. And then there are, you know, the, good, the wise people you don't have to worry about. But what's your paradigm? So now I'm, I'm having, and, I don't, and we don't have a lot of time for this, but I got like seven minutes and so much I want to talk to you about. But you know you've got some people that mean you harm. And, uh, and they're really, they're bad news. I mean, Paul had enemies. He wasn't trying to convert um, them. He was, trying to, he was trying to neutralize them and reach the masses. How in this highly uh, toxic environment that we're in, how can we reframe ourselves to be influences for the kingdom of God, recognizing those three different classes, or recognizing that there are people that mean to do you evil, and that there are people that are just doing you evil because they don't know who you are? And hopefully well, we can win say, more. But people hate us, uh, they shouldn't, but sometimes we give them a target because he's come to me, do what I do, obey me, and so forth. I had a, an encounter that was life-changing for me. As you know, I wrote the book called Ecclesia, How to Rediscover God's Instrument for Transformation. So to answer your question, Lance, when I'm working on that book and I get to Matthew 25, I come under deep conviction that God will tell me on that final day, Ed, I never knew you, even if you prophesy, even if you cast out demons, even if you heal people, depart from me. Lance, I cannot tell you how sovereign that was. I fell on my knees and I said, Lord, I know that prophesying is biblical, it's legit. I mean, you and I have good friends who are prophets. I know that healing. What is the problem? And he says, Ed, the prophet is the messenger boy and causing nothing the message. The one that cast out demons, Jesus paid the price to have the authority. And healing is a grace. The problem is that when you refuse to take care of the widow, the orphan, the imprisoner, and the foreigner, and you justify your lack of commitment to fix social wrongs because you are too busy doing these things, at that moment, I'll tell you, I never knew you. Lance, that was so sobering. I think we need to examine one mile around our church building if there is poverty, 
is our fault. If there's human trafficking, it's our fault. If there are single mothers that cannot make ends, it's our fault. You see, we need to take care of the poor, the needy, the orphan, the imprisoned. And when we do that, lands, it will be very difficult for people to hate us. Hmm. So, so you're saying that a lot of the problem is that we're, we become uh, a victim of our own disengagement with solving the problems that are there. It's almost... We are occupied in taking people to heaven, which is, which is a parking station, because then we come back, rather than bringing heaven down to earth. In my book, that, uh, Anointed for Visas, I went through all the parables of Jesus. And Lance, there's not a single parable about heaven. They are all parables <laughs> about problems, socioeconomic, political problems on earth, that we are the answer, but not to grab, but to give. We are building a nation in the metaverse called Teclesia, because that's where Meta is going, that's where Facebook is going, and we are migrating all our prototypes there because we want to get there before the Babylonian system gets there. I think the people have to recognize us as friends of sinners and advocates for the down and out. And if we do that, they will, it will be very difficult for them to hate us. I like that. And also you're talking about a different kind of a, uh, a church brand, which is engaged in healing the ills that are in society, which let's face it, we've, uh, we've, we've allowed the government, it's dysfunctional because it's trying to solve problems it doesn't have an authorization to solve. It yeah. can't solve the problems, but it, you know, if you take God out of the equation, then government becomes God. And it is never God. So it's fighting against God even when it tries to solve the problems. But you're, are you saying that if the church was more functioning as uh, instead of just witnessing to people about going to heaven and getting them out of the world system to come to services, if it actually started to solve problems, even like, you know, working like a kingdom government within the area of another government, that it would increase the favor of God on the church? With a servant heart, with a servant you see, I, I, look, I live with my wife in Silicon Valley. This is not the Bible Belt, as you know, Lance. We have a transportation company that became an ecclesia, moves one million passengers a year. They, the, the owners sold the company to the workers, got them out of poverty. His revenue grew over a period of time from two to $21 million. They adopted every school that is broke, every place. They adopt everybody coming out of prison. They teach them to be professional drivers. And our government, which is not made up of Sunday school teachers, they love what they are doing because everybody that they keep out of prison saves the governor $100,000 that he can do for something else. We have a school that is considered number one in the nation lands. Our campus is $250 million campus, but God rebuked the leadership and told us, listen to this, my justice is not justice until it becomes 
social justice. You cannot have a Christian ghetto here and be published foolish broke. I don't have the time to elaborate, but in my book, Ecclesia is the case study. We adopted the world school. It became the number one. Now the public school system opened its door and told us, but don't talk about God. We said, we will not mention God. We brought God. And before the pandemic hit, are you ready? 4,300 students and teachers in the public school received Christ. And they allowed us to baptize some of them in the public school. Okay, suite well, let's, school. Yeah, this is amazing. Now, we're, we're at a hard, hard stop right now with our, uh, the radio. But I want to thank you for this. We're going to continue this conversation. People can get a hold of the book. It's called Ecle Ecclesia, right? Ecclesia. And, and they can go on Amazon and get a hold of that. Yeah, and they can go to Facebook and Instagram and look Ecclesia, everyone, every day, everywhere. And they will get lots of material there, Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Ed Silvoso, thank you for being with us. We're going to have you back again. I believe we're going to have a lot of uh, feedback on this. You can write to me, freedom at lancewalnut.com. If you've got questions for Dr. Silvoso, we'll bring him back with your questions, freedom at lancewalnut.com. How does this work? How can the church be redefined, repackaged, and uh, maybe even Re, uh, have a, re, uh, a reset in the United States. I want to thank you all for being part of Firewall. We'll see you again tomorrow. God bless you. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.